Welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host Abhin. I'm your co-host Rohit. Why you sound so dead, bro? It's been a long day. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna try and sound more energetic. Apologies in advance. But uh, what are we talking about today, Abhin? Well, today's topic is fairly simple. We're discussing a set of movies that are better than the source material that they adapted from. So, hence the title of the episode: Better than the books. Yeah, I think that's the simplest explanation for an episode we've had to give so far. Yeah, it's one like it's like just, very to the point. Just a couple of disclaimers, at least on my end. Uh-huh. Ideally, we should have read all of the books. Uh, I mean, the source material for the movies we're discussing because other it just seems silly to pass judgment if you haven't. Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that was a big uh, in my case. Uh, yeah. yeah. So in my case, I've read. Two out of three. Uh, the third one, like I know for a fact, uh, the movie is better than the book. I've, I've read that the movie is better than the book. I haven't read the book per se. Also, I haven't read fiction in like seven, eight years now, so it's oh. just statistically harder for me to have read that uh, in, in the recent past. But um, mm-hmm. also, not all of my movies are from a novel. One of them is a short story. So yeah, one one of them I haven't read. The other one is a short story, and the third one is very contentious. I think it's it's almost like a hot take. What I'm about? Oh, interesting. So for me, I mean, I I'm kind of with you on the short story aspect. One of mine is my entries is also a short story, but uh, we'll get into it. Um, but for now, let's start the show. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Right, let's not waste any time. Let's quickly get into this, my good mm-hmm. sir. What is your your first on this wonderful list? So I'm going to get the movie out of the way for which I haven't read the book. So I I sort of handled my faux pas up first. Uh, I'm talking about 1991's Silence of the Lambs, directed by Jonathan Demme, starring Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster, and. Uh, whole other bunch of uh, actors mm-hmm. based on the Thomas Harris novel i think of the same name called silence of the lambs and there's it's part of a series of books around the character of hannibal lecter uh, again by no means am i saying or by no measure am i saying that his novels are not critically acclaimed it there they are there they've been plenty awarded plenty of acclaim and by no means am i saying that thomas harris's novels themselves aren't critically acclaimed very popular i think they, he was part of a lot of these bestsellers lists very critically acclaimed as well it's just that i mean in my opinion a lot of movies which are better than the books happen to be so because there is this one or two standout performances which really elevate the movie beyond its source material in the case of silence of the lambs obviously it's anthony hopkins that plays hannibal lecter uh if i if i remember my trivia right he has 11 or 12 minutes of screen time uh one of the shortest 
screen times to have won the oscar he, yeah. yeah i mean he won the oscar for this role and appropriately so i mean he's there for maybe 11 12 minutes but his specter hangs over the movie mm. pretty much the entirety of it while he's not strictly speaking the uh, the main antagonist of the movie which happens to be somebody else i don't want to spoil mm. the movie mm-hmm. but uh, i mean nobody creeps you out every scene where clarice starling played by jodie foster and uh, hannibal lecter interact with that glass screen between them it has this whole feeling of hunter and the hunted yeah uh, sort of this very uneasy dynamic and you never know what could happen so it's it's like very you're always on edge and that sort of feeling try as you might it's a restriction of the medium you can't really have you can't really evoke that sort of feeling in in writing mm-hmm. it it has to happen in in uh, visually it has to happen in front of you so i think that's where that's where the movie for me scores over the book mm-hmm. but uh, very enjoyable uh, very taut script very taut screenplay obviously comes from great source material and uh, not to take away from jody foster uh, a very assured and uh, you know steady performance from her as well she plays the the ambitious and sort of courageous underdog underling sort of character really well and i forgot who plays her boss um is it is it keith kennedy no but he it looks like him. it looks like it. yeah it's not keith kennedy yeah. no. but uh, again great performances at least at the very least serviceable performances from everybody else mm. and i think this is also jonathan demme's big break breakout yeah. movie mm. uh, of sorts before this he was uh, known for making borderline salacious movies <laughs> so it was one of the few uh, films that, that that have won the big 5 so yeah yeah and so, so frank capra has fam- was fam- famously known to have called jonathan demme on the night of the oscar and says welcome to the club uh, <laughs> and so it's uh, with the thing with sansa the lambs is i've read the book uh, i read it in one afternoon and i can tell you it is a very nice book but the movie is better i say that mm. having been completely transfixed by the transfixed by the source material um but having um but that both the book and watched the movie the movie is elevated purely by the 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 Anthony Hopkins and and Jodie Foster dynamic you have of course the antagonist who is absolutely creepy but somehow your imagination tends to make it worse right if you're reading it if you read something mm. before you watched it and so i guess that's kind of where for me i was like okay this is what they've chosen to go with and i and i get it and i can see why it is ter- it's terrifying but even no amount of uh literal description could prepare you for anthony hopkins's uh um, performances hannibal lecter a role he kind of you know um embodied for for decades until mads mikkelsen uh, rocked up around with uh, with the tv series who i think is also exceptional in that show i love the different hannibal- but equally good equally it's only. just yeah it's i i'm big fan of the i'm a big part of the mads mikkelsen's fan club I yeah, I same. hope he's really in a lot more things even though his Grindelwald is kind of like um, giving me some not so very interesting vibes. But yeah, I mean, I love Sons of the Lambs. I don't it it would have been a rewatchable but I just like Anthony Hopkins creeps me out. He's one of those weird yeah. it has one of those You, you remember the moment where he does that 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a hard yeah. moment that she takes. Uh, just, oh my God. I'm, I'm still getting like the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. He's so damn good. And he's like this, right now, an old man who sometimes listens to, heavy, listens to heavy metal music and goes on walks and occasionally <laughs> pops up in a Transformers movie. But back in the early 90s, he also was very much a character actor. And I think for him, when, when the big Oscar break happened, uh, I think, I mean, he was well known but in the acting circles. I think Elephant Man was probably where he was exposed mm-hmm. to global audiences, but mm-hmm. this was his yeah his time to shine. Exactly. So I was, um, I mean, 91 is the year we were both born, so I, I don't think yeah. um, either of us would have caught this still, uh, I think, for a good 15 years because it's just terrifying. My parents, my father, that I mentioned, oh my God, that movie really creeped a lot of people out. A whole generation of... Uh, uh, of uh, Gen Z of Gen X kids yeah I would say Gen X right yeah. so they were and he's like ah, I'd rather we'd just rather not have you watch that and then a couple of years later down the, down the line found the book found the movie creeped out all the same so because Hannibal Lecter I'm never able to comfortably enjoy a glass of Chianti like whenever I, if I do order it in my head I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> I I love how there are like these weird things like in the and they come to you at random moments where you you, just, you have these ra- associations with with say with a glass of wine and a serial killer just <laughs> and it's and you're just like okay why does this happen but I guess that's just our our reality at this point. <laughs> so that was that was my first movie. Mm. Uh, better than the book, I would say, Silence of the Lambs. What what's yours? So this is a book I have not finished because, and I kind of, kind of like justifies my point really. Uh, it's a, I mean, I've read let's say three fourths of the book, and this is uh, Christopher Priest's The Prestige, hmm. and comparing it to the movie, and I won't get into much about the book because the book's a bit of a slog. It's told through, uh, I mean, it involves the grandchildren of the two magicians involved. It is very boring. Uh, the twist is ruined halfway through. I mean, a, a third in. But seriously, yeah, it's just like it's this. It's not very uh, taught, as, as I would I would put it. I think the Prestige, in my opinion, is a near perfect Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I, I absolutely adore it's it, the, and I think it's the right amount of Christopher Nolan. It really is. I feel like this was just the right. I mean, we caught him at a wonderful time. I think the Prestige is two thousand seven, so it's in between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, so which yeah. is like Christopher Nolan's sweet spot, <coughs> and where he's just about doing. He, he's not entirely riffing off of Heat, but at the same time he's kind of like he's taken the source material and cut it down to make make a really engaging story if if you know me if anyone's known me that i have like vouched for the prestige and i've tried to get like loads of people to watch that movie it's not an easy watch um, i tried i attempted this with my father and he was like i don't i didn't understand what quite happened here so i mean this is a, a strange one because you have to pay attention that right? it's it's literally the tagline of the movie it's one of the most quotable lines <laughs> from the film is are you watching closely i mean the film is literally split up into three parts of uh, of a magic trick like it states at the right at the start right you have the pledge the turn and ultimately the prestige and if you really think about this the premise of the movie is extremely simple you have two warring magicians one of them comes up with an insane trick for the uh, for, for the 19th century. The other magician can't believe the the reasoning behind it is so simple. 
but and goes way above and beyond to uh, find out what his secret is and and surpass him it really plays into the whole uh, madness of men when when it comes when it comes to success and to what extent people will go for rivalry and for, and and to be number one it's it's essentially a movie about unhealthy obsession yes yeah and i mean when, when you see it ruin both lives like I, I, nobody yeah, in this film yeah. is is good or bad i think everyone is just a nice shade of gray uh does the book also have tesla in it like he does it he's the he's the yeah so i if i i mean i haven't watched it in a while i can't remember but tesla has not watched any act of the other not anger anger is a huge actman tesla hasn't watched any Bo- act by borden he hasn't watched a borden act no yeah yeah that would have been that sort of been what the fuck tesla would have been it would have been mind fuck yaar either i am inventing something which is like i'm like pushing the forefront of science how is this dude doing this <laughs> Imagine when I mean, he would have find found out the secret, you know, like fuck. But the thing is, uh, Michael Caine's character, Mr. Carter, kind of lets the cat out of the bag immediately. Like he's like, this is the this is the yeah. secret of the trick. And but you don't want to believe that. You want to be fooled. You want, and that's the the film's greatest strength is that it makes you believe that there's more to it when in fact it's just mm. very simple. And. uh which i love and also let's not forget tesla played by david bowie insanely cool. if if you had to command to play nikola so tesla cool. you i'm like what the hell is david bowie doing here but okay i guess so automatically better than the book i don't think christopher priest thought <laughs> i'm going to write nikola tesla and have david bowie play him in a film like 10 years later so oh man it's everything about that movie is so cool i i i think the alcohol like yeah uh, uh scott so, yeah, I, i can just imagine uh, nolan like anywhere read the book is like wait so here the entire plot of the movie is pretty much explained in the first 2 minutes but the audience is never going to get it and i'm going to yeah. layer it and you know like make it so this intricate complicated thing i can see like nolan's direction slowly come up <laughs> yeah let's do this damn I mean, oh, that movie that movie is holds up i watched it very recently and i thoroughly enjoyed it and i recommend anyone who has not seen the prestige who's like and whose uh, opinion of christopher nolan is purely formed on the batman films and let's say the nonsense he's been doing for the last couple of years i would say dunkirk is entirely bad but tenet is just oh, uh infuriating um but I would highly recommend you to check it out. Don't the you haven't checked it out and you don't know nothing about it going blind strongly yeah, exactly. recommend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, highly recommend you check this out well. And I guess some of those movies you have to watch twice because there are clues yeah. um sprinkled around the entire film and you just have to be paying attention. You have to pay attention to this movie. And I would want it's one of my favorites and ultimately much better than the book. Yeah. Nice choice, yeah. So I didn't even know Prestige was based on a book, so mm. also TIL for me. I I was in there was a phase in my life where I was like, oh, what is this based on? I'm gonna go find the book and read it. Okay, so my second movie that's better than the book is a movie that's based on a short story, and for the IMDb generation, often believed to be the best movie of all time because i i don't know if you went through that phase where imdb ratings were everything and this of is course. the highest rated movie on imdb in hindsight obviously there's two things one is that there's a, there's really no movie which can objectively be called the best because movies are too subjective exactly yeah for that 
and i don't think even objectively it's, it's it's not the best movie it's a really nice movie but yeah exactly yeah so i mean uh, for those of you who haven't caught on to the clues i'm talking about 1994's shawshank redemption mm-hmm. uh, directed by frank darabont starring uh, morgan freeman and wow, tim robbins yeah tim robbins mm-hmm. uh, who plays andy dufresne and morgan freeman plays uh, a race swap supposed to be irish in the story uh, but it's morgan freeman that plays him in the movie his and therefore his, the nickname of his character is red mm. makes a lot more sense when you're irish in fact a joke that's also alluded to as a dialogue in the movie how why i uh, i'm not quite sure how like what what why is red a nickname for the irish red head like oh okay like that okay huh? interesting uh, mm. so um, again nice movie really nice movie uh, mm. not to take away from it at all it's a lot easier in this case for the movie to be a lot better than the the source material because the short story per se is is so many things that the i mean it the movie is so many things that the short story isn't because it's mm-hmm. a, it's like a 3 hour almost 3 hour feature why that's a short yeah. story mm-hmm. which is about a wrong guy called Andy Dufresne and mm-hmm. uh, they don't have all of this character development Uh, especially the side characters that that guy who is supposed to be innocent but then the the warden gets mm-hmm. what i don't want to spoil the movie but the warden mm-hmm. screws him over all of mm-hmm. those characters aren't really they're mentioned in passing so there's a lot of the character development that the movie enjoys which the story doesn't have the twist obviously the the twist in the movie the big twist is still there in the story as well mm-hmm. stories if you like stephen king is one of my favorite authors it's uh, this one this is one of the works which is very emblematic of his writing style it's very mm-hmm. quintessentially king if you like his style of writing it's perfect for you if you don't then it it's not easy reading i mean king does a lot of pop culture references he has that very mm-hmm. typical disdainful style of writing that mm. i i mean i love that and that's on full display here in in the short story mm. but uh, coming to the movie obviously everyone i think not perfect for the roles they were casted in uh, great screenplay the movie ambles along gently at no point is it too fast mm. and you don't really mind it because uh, there's a movie peppered with these beautiful moments periodically mm-hmm. like even the whole montage of that uh, old guy who's released from prison, prison yeah. and finds it hard to uh, reintegrate into society such a beautiful statement on the institutionalization of prisons and how it sort of uh so how you remember that though yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. so there's a lot in the movie to keep watching it's very easy on the eyes it's very easy narratively and uh, there are times in fact where you forget the main thread of the movie which is Andy Dufresne looking mm. to uh, reclaim his uh, innocence and reclaim the life that has been taken from him by the justice system you're enjoying the movie and suddenly the last half an hour everything just comes to a head mm. which is again brilliant like the way all of the threads are resolved amazing amazing movie uh, yeah i mean i love the movie it's just having heard of it as you know best movie of all time yeah i think i think the hype kind of kills it and i feel that happened to me when i watched it years ago i haven't exactly i watched it the first time i went huh, okay i guess 
part of you is ready to rebel right when you have that expectation you're just like you know what i don't want to like yeah, it but maybe i don't know maybe it's just the like the the journey that we all go on like there are films we adore growing up and then when we watch them let's say mm-hmm. now we're like okay I, i don't quite see the the appeal to it I, and i had the same issue with this and fight club because i felt both the movies were and funnily enough that's also based on a book and the author himself says it's better than the better than the book so Uh, I was debating including Fight Club on my list, but mm. I didn't because I don't like Fight Club. Okay, <laughs> like which Fight Club? Are you like the the Brad Pitt Fight Club? Are you talking about like Sunil Shetty's? The movie? Fight Club? No, what? No, not Sunil Shetty's. <laughs> Why would I talk about Sunil Shetty's Fight Club? I mean, not that I don't like Fight Club. It's similar to the Shawshank thing. Like I, I dislike how it's overly yes. quoted. and it's become this sort of bible for dude bros yeah insults uh insults like it's just push, pushing this agenda of toxic masculinity i'm just like guys you know how much you're reading extra into the source material yeah. just chill i would i mean i wouldn't go nowhere uh, I, i keep how do you pronounce this dude name chuck uh, dude's name chuck what chuck baloniak 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 right Yeah. Funnily enough, not his most disturbing entry. Uh, I think he has guts. a story called Guts. Yeah, which is just yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guts is awesome. Uh, I can't wait for our shock horror episode. I feel like that's when we set you free. I'd be like, "Oh, you talk, and I'm just going to sit back and watch you <laughs> <laughs> listen to you, and then go home with like with horror, with nightmares." <laughs> But uh, coming back, coming back to Shawshank again. Great movie. I I think it's impossible that. somebody has not watched shawshank it gets spoken about so much but in case you haven't you have like two threeish hours free over a weekend please to watch it's a very Paul nice Freeman is wonderful in that movie and i'm surprised i think he lost out to denzel that year right 94 is uh, philadelphia oh training day oh okay for philadelphia okay not best actor no, best no, supporting no right best supporting i think no training day was uh, i think denzel has much later. has he has one for glory and then he has one for uh for training day i'm, I'm not sure if he has three um, i'm i'm not two. yeah I, i'm sure he has two for, i mean training day uh, was best actor but yeah i don't know i mean who morgan freeman lost to but yeah hmm. really good performance i think he is the soul of the movie in many ways but i i say this like um and i can't i can't believe i'm saying this but from a rewatchability perspective Do you watch the Shawshank Redemption or do you watch watch Forrest Gump because they're both the same here? I like Shawshank more than Forrest Gump. Mm. And again, I have this whole Shawshank should have won more awards that year, but Forrest Gump came in and swept it all away. Yeah. And I hold, I kind of hold that grudge against Forrest Gump. So I don't. Part of me is like, you know what? Fuck that movie. I don't want to watch. I have like a, a soft spot for Forrest Gump. There's something oddly. Yeah, and it's it. not Forrest Gump's fault at all, right? It's an it's a legitimately equally I would say equally good movie. But uh, okay, so I also have a soft spot for Frank Darabont. I don't know if you watched his other movie of his called The Green Majestic. Mile. The uh, Green oh, Mile, uh, yes. Okay. Are we talking about Jim, Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey and Luisa Luisa Gihard and I think that's her name mm-hmm. or some Marsha Gihard and something. Very nice. It's a uh, narratively not a very strong movie but it's a nice movie so i generally like frank darabont so i was like fuck was my introduction to jim carrey's serious side i the majestic is we we have yeah. we wanted on on dvd and i watched it and i was like oh wow jim carrey 
has this side to him and i and i never thought that possible and then a year later i watched it on sanchan the spotless mind as like oh <laughs> so, so he's the man is range one of the best actors of our generation but yeah uh, shashank is if you haven't watched it please do uh, i think they the one thing they swap around if um, i could be completely mistaken here they have rita hayward is is the is the picture on the wall is am i think it is think the, yeah so it is uh, it is rita hayward so the, rita, the one thing the, the i think if i'm not if i remember correctly the story only has rita hayward because the story is set in that time mm-hmm. in the even in the short story they keep changing the posters rita hayward is the first one like in the movie and then they modernize it as exactly. they show passage of time mm-hmm. they show newer and newer uh, like this raquel welch like mm-hmm. in the movie so all that is there in the short story as well okay cool uh, i see your short story and i raise you mine so i have my short story is based on uh, i mean comes from uh, he a short story by o henry uh, from the early 1900s i think it was written in 1905 it's called the last mm. leaf mm. and the last leaf has been adapted across like a century on on multiple uh, forms of media but i'm going to pick 2013's lutera as the um uh, as my choice here because Lutera is I mean it takes the source material and then gives it a twist. So in the original source material it's said during a pneumonia epidemic uh again I feel like history repeats itself doesn't it? And um, every every 100 years and it's the story of how uh, there's an artist who's dying from pneumonia and there's another and there's an ar- another artist who lives close to her and who's never really been able to like do something uh, like um paint anything of of substance. and then eventually like as she's dying she starts to notice uh, a leaf uh, on the tree outside her window and she says when the when that last leaf falls i will eventually pass and then but the summer comes the winter the autumn comes the winter comes that leaf still hangs about and then she realizes much later that the artist that was uh, um, that was grumpy and but was like used to live next to her painstakingly painstakingly recreated a leaf so that and attached it to the tree so that it would never fall off and but in the process gave himself pneumonia and he died and that's the premise of the short story that anybody's going to go chase the last leaf down but lutera takes it and i think it just bumps it up it's within the same time frame if not a few years later i probably say about 50 odd years later um, the the daughter of it zamindar um is falls in love with a man who comes to um, comes to our house and then turns out he turns out to be a thief and then she falls ill and it's like that's just the premise of it lutera is tran- literally trans uh, translates into thief so it is probably one of the more nicer big budget movies to have come out of bollywood in the last 20 years I don't even say it's big budget. I feel it's it's a. I mean, it looks very opulent. It is wonderfully shot, and it has fantastic performances from the lead too, and a great support uh, and a great supporting act by Vikram Massey, who I think is criminally underrated. I think he's he's now getting he got his breakthrough the web platform, and he's doing well for himself. But at the time, I was like, oh, this guy is amazing, and. Mm. as much as i say that uh, i look at ranveer singh and and when i saw this role i was like wow this man played it really quiet 
because until yeah. then you were so used to the bombastic side of Ranveer Singh like he was still really whenever yeah. he tones it down he's really good he's like a poor man's jim carrey kachra jim carrey <laughs> <laughs> whenever he's hyper you're just like dude it's it's getting on my nerves and whenever he calms down and he like up is really nice to watch gully boy being another example where he's not some hyper coked out mm. psycho is guy who has issues and it shows and he's very solemn he pulls it off really well i think same even i think Lutera. even litera this director though also he pulls it back it's not like he's this hyper coked out he's this boy very much in at a crossroads yeah. in his own life and I, one of my favorite performances i i remember i have a friend who interviewed him about this and he said it's one of he's not he's disappointed with how he portrayed his character in litera because he feels he played it too quiet and he says if i could redo it i would but i can't watch it and to i mean i guess but i think he's excellent in it and i think sonakshi sinha also is probably deserve like delivers a career best performance the music in the film or oh, what an album amit trivedi top of his game i listened to the entire album front to back through this um, uh, to this day like we just listened to it over the weekend when you we were discussing what to talk about <laughs> i was like oh yeah we can talk about uh, movies that were better than the source material but yeah one of my favorite films to have come out of bollywood in the last 10 years um definitely better than the book check it out if you haven't already i'm sure it's available on some streaming platform yeah a nice movie i mean i again i watched it when it around the time it came out i haven't since i don't know if i like sonakshi sinha's performance i don't she's for me one of those bad products of nepotism just mm-hmm. my opinion I don't think she's talented she's just been handed out chances because of who she is mm-hmm. but uh when we sing yes at least in this movie whether he agrees with us or not I think he's given a good performance definitely worth the watch it's a very quiet introspective sort of and it leaves you reflecting upon the how do I put it sort sort of randomness of life yeah that's the nature of the story again while you i mean the episode is movies better than the book i just want to take a half a minute to talk about uh, i not even talk about this highlight how good the short story is very nice uh, oh henry does these uh, twists of fate or these quirks of fate kind of stories really nicely hmm. there's yeah, one I- where uh, the husband and wife uh, are saving up to buy each other gifts and you know i don't remember the exact premise but it's this sort of uh, story that uh, evicts a sort of wry laugh out of you at the end of mm-hmm. it he does those kind of stories really well to i think the uh, gift it's called the gift called the oh, gift is the gift yes okay. I, i don't think i've read maybe i have i'm not quite sure i think we we were all subjected to some of i mean some oh henry short story the other as we went through high school so i'm sure it's there somewhere the gift of the magi sorry it's called oh i've read this yes but yeah okay um yeah that's my number 2 uh, vikramadith matwani's lutera lutera great follow up to uh, an already very impressive debut nudan so yeah i love matwani i'd watch anything he he make i say that but i haven't seen bhavesh joshi so i'm not really sure very nice nice time pass movie the third act which i think third act is the hardest to get for any movie third act is mm-hmm. a little saggy 
ఇంట్రెస్టింగ్ So, okay, coming to my third movie. Again, mm-hmm. I think this is a controversial opinion. I had to also convince myself and kind of put down specific reasons as to why I think I hold this opinion. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, The Godfather. Uh, yeah. So, I'm, when I say Godfather, I mean Godfather 1 and 2. Let's not talk mm-hmm. about Godfather 3. And let's put that aside. Let's not... acknowledge it for the time being okay not for the one and two which uh, between them uh cover the book uh yeah. because there's the whole flashback uh young vito uh, story track which is there in the first book but it's not there in the first movie which is which has a big part to play in the second movie so i think obviously i mean enough and more has been said about how good the movies are i just want to take a quick moment to talk about how good the book is right mm-hmm. for the longest time even though i'd watched the movie i'd obviously watched the movies first and read the book later for the longest time i i was of the opinion that while the movies are exceptional outstanding the book is better because the book mm-hmm. is it has a lot more happening of course there yeah. are a lot of there are a lot of subplots which don't make it into either of the movies for obvious narrative reasons but it helps enrich the world in the book at least i think and i mean if i, I just i'm going to interject here just for like a second mm-hmm. so specifically like a thing i remember is the is the luca brasi back story yeah like luca brasi is, is i mean he's this weird uh, intimidating figure in the in, in the film but in the book when you read what he's done to become who he is you're like oh man this this man terrifies me so exactly yeah so look up rasi is a lot more terrifying like mm-hmm. this stuff like that uh gratefully a lot of lucy mancini's storyline is mm-hmm. not there and which is probably for the best mm-hmm. that's a very weird uh, character arc in the book mm-hmm. uh The, so when i was thinking about okay so for the longest time i used to feel the book was better but of late i have changed my opinion and again coming back to the point that i made with silence of the lambs it's purely because specific performances elevate the movie uh, above the book which in itself is a titanic achievement the book uh, in this case obviously marlon brando and al pacino who play vito corleone and michael corleone in mm. across both the movies and of course robert de niro who plays a young vito corleone in the second mm. film mm-hmm. between the three of them i think they have i mean if i were to make a list of top 3 movie performances of all time or top 10 movie performances of all time i think for me all three would feature in some at some ranking in the, in the top 10 and i think uh dan keaton who's in this uh is also like the her dynamic with with, with michael and, I, and the way abacino transforms his character yeah, yeah. is is terrifying because he comes in as this innocent child who wants nothing to do with the family and then there's the there's the encounter with the policeman 
and then it starts and then it builds up and then in godfather 2 he's just sure like sure power uh, he has this quiet understated menace like you yeah. see nothing he's not loud like sony he's just and the throughout the whole first movie at least you get the feeling it's this is not what he wanted but this is what needs to be done and if if it needs doing then it should be done right mm. so yeah. he, he does like obviously the end of the first movie he takes extreme measures to ensure his family's safety and i mean i'm not going to get into the nitty gritties of the movie because there is enough and more like yeah. you want to read you want to hear this you want to watch this tons of content out there there's a why godfather is there's a new tv show coming out uh, coming out on the making of the godfather amazing and i think that's the sort of uh, property where no amount of content is too much if you make a jaw documentary on marlon brando's jawline i yeah. can watch that also <laughs> it's endlessly entertaining endlessly fascinating and i think all three of them marlon brando as vito corleone when you read the book you have a certain image in your mind when i watched the movie for the first minute or two i was like mm, i'm not sure if i'm on board with this interpretation but before you know it you're just like oh, wow this is vito corleone for me i mean he was 48 when they made the movie looks he, he, he actually looks looks behaves yeah. yeah it's amazing it's amazing then he so, went on to play jorel so man mal brando is the most <laughs> random career i think he was the most uh, he was over gifted with talent and he didn't know what to do with it he mm. kind of played fast and loose very much so and the horror stories are around him as well but uh, in terms of um, even like uh, as as the rewatcher was called he checked performances people who were there for the shortest period of time but made a, a lasting impact james khan as sunny colion is really good like he's this loud yes. brash character who pops up and every time he's in in a scene you're like okay what is sunny about to do now yeah and and yeah, like what would jesus do what would sony do, sony do. <laughs> and i i you and i agree with you in the fact that it pro- is probably like the book has a fair bit of fact uh, some of it is important but like like the lucy manchini story it can be avoided and so i think the movie was mario puzza going cool this is let me see what i what i can do with a streamlined version of this and because also i think in the book the whole sicily uh, apollonia yeah. arc is n- much nicer in the book i yeah. think mm-hmm. the movie didn't give it enough time which i guess is fair it's a narrative call mm. the screenplay call but it, it is a, yeah so there's stuff in the book which may not translate well on screen it's just nice to read so it's really i mean it was really hard for me to pick this i'm still part of me is debating like part of me is betrayed by my other part like how could you do this how could you say godfather the movie is better than the book <laughs> but how uh, could you yeah. what have you done i think almost hot take but yeah that's so that's what i feel I, i think i've said this in an earlier episode but i feel the second movie is better than the first oh, movie i completely as, agree as the great second, as the first movie is yeah the, the, the second is is original material and and for me surpasses the first yeah um so but yeah that's it i'm I, at this point i'm just uh, inner turmoil is happening a bit so i'm going to mm-hmm. need you to take over and tell me about your third movie my third and my final film is uh, is 2014's gone girl uh, it's so gone girl written by jiren flynn came out a few years earlier 
huge success. You know, I've read the book and a really nice book. Uh, there's a, a fair, you know, there's, it's, it's a very interesting read once you pick it up. It's very difficult to put down all, you know, all of that, but you give a movie to David Fincher and I, and I felt this with Girl of the Dragon Tattoo as well. You give him a movie and I've seen, I've read Girl of the Dragon Tattoo. I've watched Swedish one movie and I've seen the, the English film. When you give a movie to uh, David Fincher, like a, a book to David Fincher and you ask him to adapt it for you, he adds his own twist to it and somehow makes the, makes that, uh, the story his own. Gone, 2014's Gone Girl is one of my favorite Fincher films. I'd say a top three Fincher films of all time. I just, I love what he's done with the source material. I love the performances. I love the aesthetic. I, I love how it's paced. It just, soon as the opening credits hit and, and you see Rosamund Pike's uh, head resting on Ben Affleck's chest, from then it just grabs hold of you and it doesn't let go. I remember watching this <laughs> Um, with an ex at the time. So like my, my ex and I went to watch this movie together because we promised each other we'd do it and it was really awkward because, you know, what's happening? You know how this, this movie unfolds. I'm not going to spoil Gone Girl for the people who haven't watched it. But uh, we were, I was like, okay, this is this is oddly funny and, and, and weird, and I guess. But if anything, she's more uncomfortable than I am. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as like for what it is. Um, and... Yeah, I just, I think this, I really like, I don't like Ben Affleck, the actor, as much as I like Ben Affleck, the director. There are one of these, are one of the yeah, these are one of the few instances where I love him as the actor. I really liked what he did in this movie. He has one line in towards the end of the film, which is in the book, but it is so well del- delivered in the film. And where... Uh, it's like right towards the end of the climax when mm. he, he says you something something and I, and I was like you know what I even if I had directed and written this film myself I would not have been able to capture that moment as wonderfully as Fincher did and even I would have like the, the, the casting of Neil Patrick Harris where this time is very much how I met your mother famous you kind of forget that he's Barney Stinson for a good 20 minutes when he's on screen playing Desi Collins. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that, that is a testament obviously to the actor and to the director to have, to be, to, to be able to spin that uh, out of them. Uh, Emily Ratatowski in like a blink and miss performance is also very good. Surprisingly, I was like, oh, I, I didn't know where this came from. And I watched this on Indian screens first and I'm like wondering what happened to the, to the film because there's like random chops in the middle. And, mm. and then I watched the film much later, many years later on streaming and went, huh, okay, I guess. And But I remember watch, watching this and then the next day going home and telling my folks, you should go check this out. And they went and watched it and they loved it. And then it became a thing. And then there was this whole running joke within like so, our social circles about how it's a good film for any married couple to go watch. People would have made that, like, crank that joke to death. Like, long yeah. dead horse. But I love, if you haven't read the book and you see that twist coming, you're like, oh, shit. This is... Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of the unease of that movie comes from the score. Whenever Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor give music for a David Fincher film, you just know you're in for a 
musical treat yeah. specifically the one scene i remember again i'm going to try and do this without giving away spoilers there's a scene involving neil patrick harris and rosamund pike which flips yeah let's put it that way and there's a an audio flip that happens along with that moment and there's this i you know what i'm talking about right? yeah of course yeah when that music kicks in i remember the first time i watched the movie because of what's happening on screen and because of the like the combined effect of the audio visual i felt sick to my stomach like i felt pukish for a second yeah i, I think it like, went to it was yeah. so uneasy yeah. and i was like wow the music is insane it's kind of tries to make you a bit nauseous and you're like it's just yeah what, like like if you i read the source material so i was in so I was expecting something to happen but then this man goes above and beyond uh, and then yeah. like the music and uh and the cinematography come together to create this disgusting <laughs> um uh, visual and you're like yeah. oh what just happened this is this is like this is so in your face all of a sudden but again yeah. with with the cold aesthetic of david fincher now here's a fun fact about gonzalo and i think we'll probably discuss this a little more when we get to it a few uh, i mean a couple of episodes down the line um you know they they infamously shut down this film for 3 days right. because ben affleck and uh, the cap thing the cap story yes so for those of you who don't know ben affleck is a born in like a, a died in the wool red sox fan because he's from boston and nick dunn the character he plays in this film is from new york and so for this particular scene david fincher said i want you to wear a yankees hat and and walk out of the airport like you're supposed to a walk out and you and you supposed to meet Tyler Perry who oh my god Tyler Perry like one of the most underrated things about this film David Fincher makes Tyler Perry look real yeah. good and um, but and then Ben Affleck was like fuck off I'm not wearing a a, a red Sox hat I mean sorry uh, sorry a Yankees hat because obviously the Red Sox and the Yankees have uh, historic points to like quarrel upon but they shut down because Fincher was like, Fincher's perfectionist and he's like no and then Affleck is also like no because like fuck yeah, hey, can I you imagine being a crew member who's paid by the R it's like ye to chutiye log because this guy doesn't want to wear a cap I'm like out of a job for three days fucking and they ultimately compromise and he wears a Mets hat instead wow and that's what that's the story behind it but and world peace was achieved world peace was achieved <laughs> and this is ben affleck coming off the back of argo so it's very much like his his star is rising and mm. he's i think he's landed batman and you can tell he's landed batman in this movie because there are scenes yeah. where he goes it's... from like like he's not a sh- short man by any stretch of the imagination the man is 6-4 and but then there are certain scenes you look at him and you go holy mother of god you have gotten massive like the shower sequence towards the end where he just like peak <laughs> but he's huge in that sequence yeah and i'm not just i'm not talking about like anything else so <laughs> hey i mean you weren't i was not even going there you you went there i mean it's it's where it's well spoke i mean the, the the joke has been made a number of times anyway yeah we were talking about his batang anyways of <laughs> course so uh, the other point i wanted to make i think the one uh, of all of the casting of the movie the one they got most bang on is rosemond pike as uh, oh yeah as the lead because in all of her other movies also she has this sort of cold standoffish energy around her 
which suits perfectly for a role in the movie so I i'm think... surprised she didn't win that year i don't know what one in in her stead because yeah. she was she was intimidating she was sexy she was terrifying and i was like wow i did not expect this out of rosman pack because yes i didn't feel born in yeah it's just like oh, i i would have never picked uh amy done to be rosman pack but when i watched the movie i went you know what nobody else could have done this i'm probably could have done this as effectively she's yeah. she embodies that character so well my favorite performance that year in the, in a leading role she should have won and if you have not watched gone girl why because you should watch it i introduced a friend to it a few years ago before all the pandemic started and i was like dude we'll watch the first 10 minutes if you don't like it we'll switch to something else within 10 minutes mm-hmm. she was hooked and then like she was screaming she was thoroughly into the entire um story and at the end she's like dude that was so fucked up but i loved every moment of it and i think that's the best um like the best thing you could possibly say about gone girl it is disturbing but it's such a fun watch speaking of david fincher actually i just remembered uh, he was supposed to direct silence of the lambs in last minute he dropped out and jonathan demi was brought in oh interesting i don't know i think it would, would have, have been a largely very... been the same movie you know i think i think aesthetically it would, um, it would have been a little more different i think it would have just ha huh. more more of those muted colors i think yeah. visually it would, have, it would have been different and But, sound i mean the signs of the lambs is plenty disturbing as it is But I, I yeah, mean, really, uh, I'm glad. I mean, that's a great what if. What if he got signs of lambs and then he doesn't end up doing seven. He doesn't end up yeah. doing a fight club. He doesn't end up. I mean, like his career trajectory could have been so much more different because I think he 91, right? So I'd say 86, no, uh, 79 was alien, right? Or 78. 79 was alien 82 mm. 80s aliens uh, aliens and alien and this was the third one no yeah 87 so 87 88 kind, yeah so he kind of almost went like he kind of almost quit hollywood over aliens 3 because there's so much mm. interference and he was directing music videos at the time so i think that's kind of how he cut his teeth and it's really funny you know with uh, because he was like he got big through music videos and his other compatriot who was also doing music videos at the time was michael bay and so that that <laughs> that career trajectory always amuses me to see as to how those two have like blurred fascinating career trajectory of somebody who also used to do music videos spike jones oh of course yeah spike jones is not uh, <laughs> that's like another completely third different career yeah. and uh, he has he has a wonderful documentary on the beastie boys i think he kind of grew up mm-hmm. around them so that's it's on apple tv plus if for those of you who haven't caught it really nice it, it kind of it's a live interaction i mean it's it's beastie boys presenting the documentary to a live audience as it cuts between footage and them talking about it and it's obviously directed by spike jones so it has that it has a very spike jones esque feel to it but um, yeah i mean all of these musings aside coming back yes i would definitely endorse gone girl wholeheartedly mm. again another movie to go in absolutely blind don't mm. read anything don't like watching anything else it's going to the movie blind you'll have a great time and i think you're right if you're not hooked in the first 10 minutes and this is probably not the movie for you if you are yeah. you're in for a ride because it can you can either be hooked or you can be really uneasy because the movie is very uneasy to watch hmm it's just like it's just there's always like something 
crawling up your shoulder at some point giving you some like you're just you're in a still concentrated state of discomfort but yeah i think that's that's those are our movies good set of movies yeah and very interesting set and no point did we diss any of the source material so yes i thought we were mm-hmm. going to do that i mean i kind of shat on the source material for the prestige a little bit yes <laughs> i mean it's it's there it's cool but it's it's boring and there's no david bowie so <laughs> i mean <laughs> any situation is immediately improved with the david addition bowie. of david bowie yeah i mean, look at perks of being a wallflower oh well, that's a, the, that tape is is supposed to be uh, uh so in the book well that's another that's another candidate for better than the book uh, but and perks of wallflower the, the book is has a very sad ending i'm not saying the movie doesn't either but um the the song that they play i remember now the song that they play for uh in in the, the tunnel is landslide by fleetwood mac which is one of my favorite songs ever because if you pay attention to the lyrics it's just absolutely like it it's heartbreaking um but it doesn't seem to fit the 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 mood the whole tunnel sequence um is supposed to emphasize and i mean stephen chopsky who who wrote and wrote the book and directed the movie ultimately flips out landslide for heroes which just makes it so much more better mm-hmm. i love that entire sequence and i it's it was on my feel good films for the soul right i think it was very said this most yeah the exact same thing so i'm like <laughs> mm. it lit like the episode right. episode literally ends with a cover of heroes so yeah yeah mm. i think on that bitter sweet note mm. we come to the end uh, but yes like let us know if you found any books that movies that are better than the books i was about See, I really wanted to talk Jurassic Park. I really did, but I feel like that deserves an episode by itself. Yeah. Also, I was like, should I mention Prisoner of Azkaban? But then I'm like, dude, how much are we going to mind Harry Potter? Yeah, yeah. Let's... Prisoner of Pris- I, I, I like both of them in, as their own things. Yeah. I, like the, I love the book and I love the film as well. So I guess they can exist in their own little happy universe. I'm going to go uh, sleep in self-loathing because I just... the godfather book mm-hmm. but uh, i think yeah that's that's the episode for us indeed we shall see you on the next one do you know i don't think we know what we're talking about next uh, yeah hey, we're doing that the, that cross trilogy let's do that oh let's do it okay i the, guess the cross trilogy yeah. the cross trilogy i have a, a bunch of shit films to watch this week because rohit <laughs> has like suggested a wonderful set of it's like films masala films. max this is like the ignas biryani of bollywood <laughs> Oh goodness, <laughs> Rajiv Rai! Uh, I'm excited. Let's let's see what what that episode brings. We'll see you on the next one. Take care. Yeah. So they opened their big mouths, and now came talk, talk, talk. <laughs>